Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's bonkers episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamflow and Sidgwick to review... Quite possibly, Sige, the craziest episode of Dynamite ever. <laughs> there was certainly some insanity throughout the pandemic, but oh my God, this was so wildly entertaining, great, mind-blowing, terrible, <laughs> <laughs> bang average, yeah. yeah, all at the same time. I could not believe what I was watching. Look, I've tweeted this, but the mega fans will forgive me. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed, despite the looming shadow of everything, the run of Dynamites, not Rampages, the run of (laughs) Dynamites after All Out, but it was basically like caretaker manager, good run of form actually, Mm. after a bit of a disaster with the way the club was run, (laughs) where football is solid, not adventurous or bold, and I described it as let it be, in which... Three masters, Moxley, Danielson, and Jericho, are just doing nice, pretty simple, unadventurous storytelling and wrestling, but doing it very, very, very well indeed. And I didn't realize how much I missed Gonzo Tony Khan (laughs) (laughs) until this episode just seeped into me, and I'll never be able to shake it, I don't think. I felt a bit sorry for you because I knew... Michael Hamlet has written uh, an excellent uh, Ups and Downs article for whatculture.com. Um, because normally I come in and sometimes I've I'm completely missed the mark and say, oh, I thought it was a really good show, whether it, whether it be AEW or WWE, and you guys go, no, it's it, you're wrong and here's why. You're, <laughs> you're not wrong to think it. I just disagree. Yes. I genuinely so, watched Chris Morris show. line, you're wrong and you're a grotesquely ugly freak. freak. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> but I, I was like, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, there were, I mentioned this on the news, there were... Two different segments that I thought, oh, cool. Dadley's going to rip the cocks off for these. (laughs) 
And then all this other stuff. There was one thing I was like, oh, cool. We'll all universally agree that this was bad. Uh, and then the rest of it, I was just like, Bleh. and then I thought, there's so much stuff to talk about. This. Like, what a difference a week makes. This time last week, we're sat here going, very simple. Five really good matches on Dynamite. A few other bits, but mainly just five matches. This week, um, what do you want on this week's show, Tony? Yes. Just everything. <laughs> just everything. Yeah, that's a really great summary of it, quite honestly. I, like, I've not really hid my biases very well. Everyone knows I love Jungle Boy. So when he appeared on this show, <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's an all-timer, stratospheric straight away. Um, what was your tagline for ups and downs? Uh, a New Japan icon and one of the most controversial figures in all of wrestling. And Colt Cabana and Katsuyori Shibata were there as well. It didn't occur to me, actually, until he said it there, that it was... It, it provided in equal measure for me and Sidgwick. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny to me how, like, there are so many things that me and Sidgwick agree on and find two more different wrestlers for us both, like, where's well, the greatest dynamite ever of all time, actually? Like, kicking your wall at home, like, waking the kids up screaming for entirely different men, entirely different things, entirely different principles, and yet the excitement levels were identical. Yeah. It was a dynamite for us. I'll tell you this as well just before, because I don't want to forget this. It occurred to me last night, we joke a little bit that there may be listeners sometimes in the industry. I think that has to be a certainty at this point. On yesterday's preview, me, Michael Hamflet, said, I, I don't think they ever want to watch. I don't think they can find another Sting Darby Allen party match. <laughs> I think they found the greatest one of all fucking time, actually. 20 frigging guitars hanging like up in New Jersey, each one to be swung at Darby Allen or Sting or Jay Lethal, like for a start. Any of those, <laughs> any of those three heads? Yes, please, all day. Any head ever? Any head ever. Oh, my God. We talk about the incredible the year that, you know, uh, John Moxley's had or Chris Jericho has obviously had. Jeff Jarrett wins, doesn't he? Always. As always, Jeff Jarrett wins. <laughs> he's had the biggest match in GCW's history. Yeah. He's been involved in Ric Flair's last last match for now. He's been involved in SummerSlam. Now he's here in AEW. Yeah. And he's invading and it, <laughs> taking over. One thing, I'm going to be a little bit boring. One thing before we go bit by bit by bit by bit is that... There was a very negative reaction to this episode where I was just genuinely <laughs> yeah. extraordinarily entertained by it. Let's keep our perspective, right? There were comparisons to bad wrestling shows. TNA, the most obvious reference point given what happened and what we're going to talk about very quickly, right? This hasn't turned into a bad wrestling show ov overnight. Let's keep our perspective. The last eight episodes of Dynamite are there or thereabouts, apart from the Soraya Lumberjack Dynamite mm. were really good mm. to goddamn great. It's not the start of like the tipping point of AEW being over. Let's not catastrophize no. this and just enjoy the lunacy. <laughs> yeah, it, we're, we're if, any... you got, if you get if you get six months of this, it becomes TNA. Yes, yeah. We got one week of it to so just enjoy. It was mad. Like were any of the uh, major matches that we already know about full game. Like I don't want to tell people how to consume the pro, pro <laughs> wrestling, but let's not just automatically assume it's gone off a cliff because one week was a bit crazy. Yeah, and uh, like it's, I welcome this as well. Like what I was going to say was nothing about the full, the big picture, full gear, the big match at full gear were compromised. In fact, I would say they were, I would argue yes, they were I enhanced agree. and I'm looking forward to talking about that on the show, even in like little subtle ways. Um, so the big match at full gear have all been protected. They're all for the major titles and they're all looking great on paper. Um, AEW is still a television to pay-per-view company. They're making money from both revenue streams. It's, I genuinely believe it's 
Like it's to be actively encouraged that you have a week like this every now and then. You know, just like it's in the toy box, isn't it? And just, just sorting them out. Right, I want to play with that one, that one, and that one. A, a little bit, especially when your toy box is apparently all of pro wrestling. <laughs> like, which is what the point of the Forbidden Door was in the first place as well. It's the idea of making AEW the destination of any and all pro wrestling. Yes, I do take on board people's concerns, specifically with my favorite bit of the entire episode, uh, but. I'm going to argue the toss for it when we get to it as well, mm. because I think there's earnestly some something really potentially quite good has happened as a result of that beyond just what I love the most. It's such a funny day in the What Culture office already today. So apologies if this is going out a little bit late. I sense this podcast is going to go a little bit long, but I mean, <laughs> what do you expect after a show like that? A couple of things. Number one, uh, when Andy Murray, Michael Sidrick and myself all walked into the What Culture office, we were greeted <laughs> By Jeff Jarrett's theme. I'm happy <laughs> playing off his phone, just looking at his game. Can I just say that playing over later on tonight on Dynamite by Excalibur was just one of my favourite moments as a wrestling fan. I just, he's, he's won. He's won again. How is this? Like, coming up tonight. Meow, 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 meow. Oh, this is the best. Is it like, if it was 2019, like, you wouldn't have needed to do the NXT shit. Like, I just sat on Cedric's lap. But I'm like, right, we're good to go. AW. <laughs> Which way are you going to vote this week? Close up black and gold. Done. Meow, meow, meow. That laugh as well. It's not even his, like the guy singing his song, but it sounds like Jeff Jarrett yeah. laughing at wrestling. Like, mom, mom, money, 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 money. And that, and Scott Telford of the uh, What Culture Gaming Parish, of course, What Culture Gaming Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Actually, Hamlet was on this What Culture mm. Gaming Podcast recently, so go and check that one out. He loves AEW, uh, or loved. Um, <laughs> he's been a, become a little bit disillusioned with it, and I've just just chatting to him earlier, and he watches it normally either like tonight or, you know, later on when it airs on, like, ITV4, whenever it does in here in the UK. And sometimes he'll stick his head around the corner and go, good show last night, or anything I should look forward to? And I just went, oh, it's just mad as shit ever, mate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Because I think I saw something. He knew about, he knows about Jeff yeah. beyond that. And I went, oh, yeah, that is the tip of the iceberg on this show. That's the opening. <laughs> Which we'll get into right now, in fact. He won't listen to this until he's watched the show. So I know Scott Tilford is going to absolutely love when Colt Cabana comes out because he felt very personally affected by everything that happened with CM Punk. So I think he's going to get a huge pep. Huge pep. So yeah, the show opened. We were like thinking, oh, it's going to be a bit of a busy show anyway, I've just remembered, on our preview yesterday. There's quite a few matches there. And then last night, I think it's the Alvarez tweet, something big's going to happen. I mean, our expectations were high, but... Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, Jay Lethal, uh, Darby Allen uh, opens the show. Oh, Darby Allen, obviously, he's got those uh, taped ribs due to the attack and the, the shutter door, or whatever you call it, a, a few weeks ago. Um, Allen, obviously, immediately goes straight after Lethal, no messing about, and they fight, and then there's a Lethal hits a monkey flip on the floor that sends uh, Darby Allen ribs first into the steps outside. And I thought, oof, that's a rough bump to take. If only I knew. Um... Figure four, Lethal puts on him with uh, Darby Allen trapped under the guardrail. Uh, and then he hits a released German suplex later on on the apron, focus on the ribs and, and controls the action as we go picture in picture. When we come back, Darby Allen doesn't care about his body. He hits a springboard coffin drop. Um, but because of his injured ribs, Lethal can regain control. Uh, Darby Allen counters a top rope elbow into a crucifix for two, which is a nice callback, obviously, to Darby Allen's history with that sort of thing. Uh, he gets out of the way of a lethal injection, rear naked choke, um, gets an over the top stunner. Lethal goes to the outside. I'll just get, you want to get ready for this? Uh, yeah. Darby Allen does his insane dive through the ropes and bounces off Satnam Singh. Knee effect. 
absolutely knee effect. Like the Pokemon. He, he completely <laughs> no-sold it and permit me again. I described this on Twitter. It was as if he no-sold a bullet. <laughs> it was just the coolest goddamn it thing was. I've ever seen until two seconds after this. Didn't even like, you know, sort of sometimes a big man will sell it as if they're just like trying to swat a fly. Yeah, yeah. Like, he didn't even do that. No. He looked around, I was like, then looked to the people. What? Something <laughs> me. Like, oh, oh my god. I love Satnam Singh, mate. He's the best. He's class. Uh so despite Satnam not really technically getting involved. Just being there and being effectively a pillar at ringside. <laughs> he gets kicked out. Sanjay Dutt gets kicked out. And then all of a sudden, I mean, Tony Schiavone needs to get his eyes checked. Because he goes, oh, my God, it's Sting. And I was like, well, it's not Sting, is it? It's like, come on, Tony, 25 years of this. You've mistook a lot of people for Sting. You should know now. I, I was randomly saw on Twitter that one where there's all the Stings coming yeah. in. And, one's, and he, he must have just been like having kids. Sting and Sting and Sting and Sting. <laughs> So, yeah, someone wearing a sting coat uh, takes out Darby Allen with a baseball bat to the injured ribs. Lethal hits the lethal injection. One, two, three. How do you want to do this? Match and then all the shenanigans or just everything? Everything. Okay. Everything. So, the masked man is revealed to be Cole Dimes. Cole Carter, I should say, actually. In AEW's <laughs> Cole Carter from the factory. And he gets, to be honest, from the crowd, he gets a bit of a... Huh? <laughs> so... Sting's music hits, and then Tony's like, no, it's Sting! No, it's not. No one comes in because who slid into the ring? Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett is all elite. He slides in. He lightly hits Darby Allen with a huge chair shot. It explodes, as it always does. And he gets on the mic and says, Darby Allen, you just got a lesson from the last outlaw. Um... Whatever you worship, that is your biggest weakness. He says, look at the pool of blood. And there is a pool of blood <laughs> forming behind Darby Allen's head on the mat. He says, you want to worship Sting? Yeah, now he is your biggest weakness. Uh, and he says, and I've got a message for everyone in the, in AEW. Uh, Tony Schiavone, all those twats up there, basically. That cameraman who's chuckling. That's quite nice to be a cameraman in AEW. More on that later. Uh, but most, imso- most importantly, to the insane, rabid, delusional AEW fan base. Uh, he talks about the Jarrett name being around in... This business! <laughs> For over 75 years, and wherever they go, they leave an impact. Uh, <laughs> talks about being a two-time Hall of Famer, a 12-time world champion. He says, and from day one, I have, you still suck. You still suck. Yeah, you still suck, Chance. He, he says, hey, it, it, I've got my finger. It looks like my fingerprints have been all over AEW from day one. Uh, and I'm, you know, taking over this place. There's going to be some full body bags whilst I'm here. And you can choke on that. Slap nuts. Go at him first because I want dibs on Cabana and Shibata. Yeah. And okay. Go at him for everything else. Oh, I was coming and crying. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Somebody tweeted saying, uh, well, Cereal and, cereal and milk all up the ceiling, was it? Well, I think it was milk. <laughs> Still can't be sure. Uh, this was unbelievable. This was unbelievable and yet completely believable because it's all that Jeff Jarrett does. I'm going to be the earnest good news guy first, right? Jeff Jarrett has taken, I mentioned the party match. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, you would assume, versus Darby Allen's thing at full gate. It's going to rule. Um, Jeff Jarrett has taken a job as a business development, I think. Something in like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, Christ, if there's a guy that knows how to develop business relationships, it's Jeff Kinjara, right? But also, it takes, like, some much-needed work off Tony Khan's slate. The man's got too much on. Yeah. And like we've said for years, he should be delegating roles to other people. Roles, ideally, to other people with experience, because he made a bunch of wrestlers' agents, and that went really well first month, didn't it? Like, I hope they were just all on trial, because then all of a sudden the locker room went insane. So... Find a guy who has shown a proven ability to do this job. Like Jarrett, not just for himself, has like negotiated deals in Mexico, in Japan, for TNA when it was a laughable organization. They got that Spike TV deal. Like he's got previous in this field. And Triple H, because he's an arrogant prick, replaced Jeff Jarrett with the road dog. Because he's his idiot mate. Right. So this, earnestly, not just as a Jarrett mark, this might be quite a good pickup for uh, AEW. And the people are probably panicking that Jeff Jarrett's going to Jeff Jarrett this. Shouldn't. Because this match will be a load of fun at full gear, and it'll probably just be every now and then. I can't see Jeff Jarrett being folded into weekly storylines or anything. I mean, for those of us in the content game, he's getting photoshopped with the world title. Very (laughs) soon, sense. No, mind the content game, just in my front room this morning. (laughs) Hi, can I have that framed, please? (laughs) I I think he'll be used every now and then, and it'll be loads of fun. But he'll do his his shoot job for most of the time. So I think this is like a good pickup for AEW. Uh, Darby Allen getting smashed in the face as a guitar is something I want to watch again and again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> again, and again. Nobody deserved it more. Oh, j- uh, jumping off your roof is really cool. Getting hit with a bridge. Yeah, welcome to this business, pal. Because what happens in this business is you get hit with fucking guitars and you learn to pay some goddamn Jews for once in your skinny, creepy life, right? And he will get his comeuppance at the pay. Bit of LTST that I absolutely love, right? The figure four under the shutter, the figure four under the guardrail was foreshadowing. Because the figure four was what Jay Lethal deployed against Ric Flair, who teamed with Jeff Jarrett, when Jeff Jarrett teamed with Jay Lethal, and this all ties together, and they were showing us Jeff Jarrett in plain sight, and even I didn't see it. Jeff Jarrett also uses the figure four himself. Yes, he does, because he kind of saw some of his best fits from other wrestlers. <laughs> Point being, even the guitar, actually, when you think about it, actually. Point being, like, all of this is quite earnestly well done if you just apply in the usual wrestling analysis metrics to it, which I feel like I should do, because people would just think I'm being biased about my favourites. An all-time a bit of AEW television for me personally, but some good stuff underneath it too. And you pointed out on uh, Twitter, there was a great tweet today. Uh, put to, from the Voices of Wrestling Discord. There you go. Put to bed the uh, the theory that uh, Jeff Jarrett's never drawn a dime. Because <laughs> he's drawing two, two dimes! dimes! <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right, I'm not anywhere near, actually, as big a Jeff Jarrett mark as Michael Hamflit, but I absolutely adored this as well. His work... In the build, particularly to Ric Flair's last match oh and his work in the match itself, warrants right. He can play heel sting. Yeah, look, the found heel sting. Get mm. me Karen and get her shoe. Yes, and bring that to this story. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, meritocracy got himself over. He's a name. The stigma around Triple J, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, is that he was wish reign of terror. Yeah, people have kind of been begging. As much as an ironic appreciation of Jeff Jarrett has developed over the years, Michael Hamflit is completely earnest. <laughs> beyond Hamflit, an, an ironic, you got to love a carny when he's that good at carnying. They are going to use his reputation as won't do a job, won't get that pin. The Effie story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, can't wait to work the rematch. Disappears forever. Just disappears. <laughs> this reputation, which he is very much deserving of, AEW are going to use, and they are going to put a young wrestler, still in his 20s, over at his expense. They are going to use years of wretched TNA history (laughs) for their benefit 
in the context of an incredibly fun match in which Sting oh my God. is going to sell a guitar to the head. Amazing. Like, this is all kinds of clever because the whole issue with Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen doing genuinely really, really, really good wrestling is uh, it's a bit boring, this. Hmm. And now it isn't boring because Jeff Jarrett and Sting are going to be a party <laughs> match. It's incredible, Pukin. I was overjoyed on behalf of my very good friend. Mm. And I was overjoyed for myself because I just think it's really cool. <laughs> and it makes something very solid that you kind of ask, going to go to a stipped up match at the pay-per-view, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not on the match itself. Again, it just needed that little bit of something interesting. Otherwise, I'd be loving it. And now the interesting things here. Mm. Like, what a great brawl and wrestling match fusion this was while it lasted. Mm. Darby Allen just getting destroyed over the table, and then in a flash, just with bloody-minded defiance, just launching at Jay Lethal like he's a dog. Brilliant. Darby Allen's great at this. This is just fantastic. The fake-out as well, right? You don't get the two-dimes thing. I'm sorry. The fake-out thing ruled. If you can milk something like the Jeff Jarrett AEW appearance for all it's worth, get two dimes in. <laughs> Paul Heyman was great at this, yeah. and Tony Khan studied Paul Heyman's work, and you get a moment like that because you get the, uh, yeah! <laughs> you get the deflated. It's true. He's right. You get. What, him? Yeah. Huh? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah! In a nanosecond. Yeah. Amazing. Jarrett doing his uh, last outlaw shtick on mainstream TV. The Undertaker could never. No, <laughs> I'm having that, thanks very much. This is the ultimate... Ah, oh, Tony Khan. Is the magic gone? He's still good, but it's all a bit let it be. He's a f***ing white album, bitch. <laughs> Sergeant Popper. <laughs> well, right, lots to get right, to. Like the swearing, he's a very busy man today. I'll yeah, stop yeah, swearing sorry. from now on. <laughs> I doubt we're going to contain that when, when what happens Mike later on with Orange very, It's a very gradual decline for Mike Simon after this anyway. Yeah, well, lots to get to, so we should probably move on. Yay! Oh, Jesus, stacks. <laughs> stacks. Do I need stacks in my life after everything I've gone through for the past 12 hours? <laughs> what, I just pop in and say, congratulations to Cole Corner on becoming Sting. I thought he was dead, to be honest. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you begrudge his success? Oh, you know, water under the bridge, as they say. He's such a good guy, Stacks. Uh, I thought that's where Two Dimes was sleeping. <laughs> well, that's the goal. You want some jokes before I go? Yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously. Well, I thought I'd uh, pen some cowboy-themed uh, jokes yeah. today because of the last hour war. Not sure if you know that about Jeff Jarrett, but he got a cowboy and a guitar shot and all that. <laughs> Sage, why do cowboys always ride horses? Why is that? Why do cowboys always ride horses? Uh, we can get this. It's something about the legs. Yeah. Oh, saddles. They can't walk because they've got bone spurs. Get it? Because that's what they're called on the boots. <laughs> it's really good. It's, it's too good it's, for yeah, sex, actually. Good for sex, actually. <laughs> too good for this. Why do cowboys always ride horses? Because they're too goddamn heavy to carry. It's the one. <laughs> Tell them. Michael Hamlet. Yeah. I've got three jokes, just so I know. I got two jokes and a little story to tell you. Ah. Okay. Michael Hamford, what do you call, picture this, a dinosaur wearing a cowboy hat and boots? Picture that, a, a, a dinosaur in boots and a cowboy hat? 
So like it's something a Saurus. Yeah, it's got to be a Saurus, isn't it? Cowboy Saurus, Outlaw Saurus, Saurus. I've got it. Yeah, is it Tyrannosaurus Tex? Tyrannosaurus Tex. What a day! What a day! What a day! Finally, a little uh, <laughs> little story I had to tell you. Um, picture this, okay? <laughs> Two cowboys walking alone in a desert. Maybe the Undertaker sent them there. I don't know. Uh, two cowboys walking alone in the desert. They're lost. Michael Sedgwick, they're goddamn lost. They're going to die. They, got no, they ain't got no food. They ain't got no water. But then, thankfully, one of the cowboys... It's Tony Tina. <laughs> one of the cowboys sees a tree full of goddamn bacon. Picture that. A tree full of bacon? <laughs> and he says, it's okay, buddy. It's a bacon tree. We're saved. So he runs towards this tree full of bacon, but he gets short and he dies. Turns out it wasn't a bacon tree. It was a f***ing ham bush. It's the way I tell it. Guys. Oh, Stax was fired up there. <laughs> All timer from Stax. That was, that was great. That was a like an AW Dynamite esque Stax appearance. That was it. Yeah, if you ever debuts on Dynamite, it's like, where did he come from? <laughs> no offense, Stax, you're still developing as a talent. All <laughs> uh, right, John Moxley cuts a promo. I'm gonna oh. have to fly through some of these because we've got so much to talk about. John Moxley cuts a promo on Lee Moriarty, puts him over as a credible opponent, says, look, me and Danielson, we've been we've been eyeing you up, but we just, we're just not sure if you've got quite the toughness. We haven't written you off yet, but basically you're going to get your head caved in later, and I want you to be as violent as possible. Uh, and then we get a video of the Elite winning the trio's titles, but then it gets deleted, and then ooh, they're coming back. Uh, and the Death Triangle uh, are replacing them for the time being, basically. Uh, we can all see where this is going. And then we got uh, John Moxley versus Lee Moriarty, um, AW World Title Eliminator, of course, this or whatever it's called. Um, and you've got Ethan Page on commentary because he's declared for the tournament. He's going to win it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing his bloody hand. Uh, a bit of a strike game. Um, Moriarty gets in a cheap shot and posts Moxley, targets his arm during the break. Uh, when we come back, Moriarty's still battering him, starts talking trash to the world champion. Don't do that. Uh, tries to stomp him with the boots. Definitely don't do that. Uh, and Moxley goes, no, here's how you do it. Hits him with the lariat, hits him with the stomps. Uh, Moriarty avoids the death rider uh, by targeting the arm, but Moxley fires back and gets him with a cutter. Uh, they both no-sold suplexes. Um, oh, my God. thought so. Trade submissions. Moriarty stretches him. Uh, Border City stretch, I think it's called. Uh, Moxley escapes, uh, puts in the uh, hammer and anvil elbows, and puts in the, the, the cross-arm breaker, I think it was, for the submission. Um, and post-match, um, Page hits the ring and takes out Moxley, and they talk about the fact that he's in the tournament and more names are going to be confirmed on Rampage. This was trending towards the B-minus... B tier of John Moxley 2022 matches. When who was the quarterback who sauntered in late? Uh, Lamar Jackson. Of they the were Baltimore uh, Ravens, just really building this. They were, I'm convinced, going to reach that point where they were going to get pops out the ass for the sequence uh, where they traded suplexes, but they did a nice um, subverted spin on the fighting spirit spot because Moxley, like, no, 
not having that, no selling this one, my adrenaline's carrying me through. And then Moriarty does the same thing, but then Moxie gets him anyway because he's the absolute best. And because of the excitement of, like, for me, Alan Shearer walking into the office, <laughs> I wouldn't laugh at your jokes if Shearer just walked past. No mm. offense, even though your jokes are ordinarily fantastic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they lost the crowd during mm. that moment, and that was a pivotal moment in building excitement ahead mm. of the finish. So, unfortunately timed. The QB for the Baltimore Ravens, I've discovered. Baltimore Ravens. I, yeah, I was thinking, because I was distracted too. You couldn't not be. I thought maybe MJF was walking at the building. They're trying to MVP, weren't they? Well, that was, ultimately, which I think that was... It's not MJF, mate. It's... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) VP. I just saw, like, all the people obviously rush towards it. Um, I really liked... The match was quite nice, actually, but I really liked Ethan Page. Um, on commentary. I thought he did a tremendous job. That's off the back of the pretty good promo he cut on Rampage and Sidgwick's right. They're kind of they're almost foreshadowing this too much that he either make he wins or he makes the final at the very least. They're, they're not that great at hiding these even when they're setting the tournaments up. Uh I think he's working up to it. And I like mm. to see that. I think he's like he did a really good he buried MJF on commentary and that takes guts. You know, as a shoot, that takes guts because MJF <laughs> is listening and watching and you, there's going to be a receipt for that coming or however the storyline plays out. He's got a week to think about uh-huh. a receipt as like, well. The, in terms of, like, going for the head of right now the company's top star or certainly one here with John Moxley, I just thought it showed tremendous confidence and he sold the gravity of the um, the firm's beat down on Moxley and MJF. They're not... Th- through his voice... They are not just a series of jobbers that have found themselves accidentally in the main event. They feel like serious contenders with a lot of business to take care of. And I just, I thought he was, he maximised his minutes. You know, not everybody shines in that commentary spot. And I thought he did really well. Uh, then we didn't get the face-to-face between Soraya and Britt Baker because Britt Baker didn't show up. She was going to do her own thing a little bit later on. Uh, and Soraya says, well, she doesn't care about anyone in the women's division but herself. She's chatting to Renee Paquette, of course. Um, she says, I've built divisions everywhere I've gone. I've, you know, wrestled all over the place. I've even wrestled on the same day I got hit by a car. Um, she talked about AEW looking like a cool leather jacket, basically something she was desperate to be a part of, which I thought really made it sound you know, an exciting place to come and work. So she put that over really well, I thought. Um, And Renee then obviously asks the question we all want the answer to about Soraya being medically cleared. And she says, well, I'm going to wait till next week because, Michael Hamflet, there's one more doctor left to consult about this. I think this might be the best bait and switch I've ever seen in pro wrestling, genuinely. On it, like, I loved this and I loved Britt Baker's promo as well for how the two link together perfectly. Britt Baker is um, outwardly showing anger, to uh, Soraya coming in and trying to take over that she's calling it her house and it's the place that Britt Baker has had since day one. And she made that clear in her promo later on with Jamie Hayter. She's annoyed. Like, she's dropping the conspiracy line again. Uh, If you're an AEW original, you remember when Britt Baker was all about conspiracies. That's not an accident. She's bringing that back to remind people subtly that she's been here since the very beginning and she should be getting more respect. Reality, of course, is she's a heel and we know that she's, in fact, terrified of what happens physically (laughs) with Soraya and she doesn't want her to be cleared and she doesn't want to fight her, nor does she want to be in a room with her. Um, I just thought this played brilliantly to the two different sides of Britt Baker's character really well and what they got out of the brief time together on camera with Soraya and Renee was fantastic. It makes total sense that Renee would get those details because we know that they're friends. That's been established on television, even if you don't know it in real life. So she would have the confidence and she's a fantastic broadcaster to ask the big questions, which she did. Uh, as you pointed out, Soraya put over AEW when it kind of needs it at the moment, mm-hmm. a bit of brand rehabilitation. The detail of being hit by a car was one of those awesome little character things that 
like I didn't know that, and I feel like I've listened to a million page mm. podcasts, and I didn't know that story. And it's a bit like we always talk about the eye for an eye story in the early days. Just drop a little detail in about a character that tells you a hundred other stories about them without needing to tell those hundred stories. I thought that was sublime. And the Doctor line was a terrific way to close out, and it well, really, really thoughtful stuff. This I thought this was, class. and I was glad it wasn't a head to head. Better for it not being one. I thought this was absolutely class because you've left room for the head to head. Yeah. You've left room in the how many more dynamites until uh, two more, isn't it? Nineteenth, I think, is the is the pipe. Two dines. I honestly think, right? <laughs> Die. <laughs> I honestly think that if Paige was given the chance to cut this promo ten million times, she would not have done a better job than she did of telling people credibly and organically why she really gravitated towards this promotion. I just believed everything she said. The um, so much better than the rah rah. It was the anti cynical post twenty nineteen. You know what I love about NXT? The passion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, no, it's performative nonsense from a cult crowd <laughs> watching incredibly bad professional wrestling. <laughs> Everything that you you held dear about NXT is dead. <laughs> and how dare you try to tell me? Look, the passion in this place. I heard a lot about this place. I heard a lot about the passion. Boilerplate copy that you do not believe. And Soraya here did an incredible, subtle, not grandstanding job of putting over why she wants to be here, why it's a great place to be. And it was never the focus even. The focus was that she really wants to embody what it is that she loves about this promotion or loved about it from the outside coming in. Fantastic stuff, this. A uh, nice teasing promo from uh, Regal Next, talking about MJF and the main event of Full Gear. You can have all the potential in the world, but that's not going to help you when you've got to face a real demon in John Moxley. You're welcome, AW, for us bringing that one to the front last week so that it can be brought out when MJF tells the story of why that word has just been used in a promo. I love this because there is this now, this creeping nervousness around William Regal being the difference maker in this match. He has set himself up here to be bloodied by MJF next week by criticising him as much as he has done here, or by saying, you've still got a lot to learn. Well, who else better to teach it yeah. than the guy that was the coach all along? There, like, there are so many more questions and answers about this, and they just played with the words brilliantly, I thought. Uh, then it was time for Daddy Ass's big birthday bash. Out come the acclaimed with uh, Billy Gunn, although he's got his hands in plaster <laughs> because... Swerve's broken his fingers, of course. This is great. Uh, <laughs> Max Caster's rap referenced Elon Musk, naturally. Uh, and Anthony Bowens talked about scissoring, taking over the world, even in the World Series. And a cameraman got scissored here. I said an eventful night for, for them. Um, and they've got presents and they've got stuff for, uh, for Daddy Has to celebrate his big day. Uh, mainly, finally, the scissor foam fingers that I think is going to mean... Probably Max and Anthony can retire in yeah. about a week's time and never work <laughs> again. They're going to sell Full like, gear is going to look amazing. Bright pink and all. Perfect, isn't it? Uh, and they pop him on Daddy Ass, and he's got two hands <laughs> with broken hands, but now with foam scissor fingers, so he can scissor everybody. And they eat he, obviously, for that. Um, and they look around for signs, and they put out some signs, and they grab some presents, I suppose, from the crowd, including a giant scissor thing that they bring for him. Uh, and they present scissoring the kid was like so sweet and it shouldn't be but it's an only in pro wrestling yeah. it? uh, to like a nine year old lad I was wrestling <laughs> last night yeah I watched uh, I watched a grown man scissor a kid what <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and they got uh, they've got him a trophy for being the world's greatest daddy. Uh, Bowen's had a nice line. Uh, we had other guests booked, uh, two cancelled, and the others were upset you didn't come to the reunion. <laughs> and he tells them to both. Suck, suck it, gang. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, effect to the crowd and everyone. <laughs> um, and they, they've got a, a certificate with their signatures already on it, which is him adopting the acclaimed, basically. They all they need is gun signature, but he can't do it right now, of course. <laughs> Not least because it was framed. Yeah. <laughs> and then out come uh, Colton and Austin Gunn, of course, and they say, what's going on? You know, It's our dad's birthday. Where's our, where's our invitation? It must have got lost in the post. Uh, but don't worry, we've brought you a gift, and it's the massive bastard that is W. Morrissey. He comes in, nails Billy Gunn with a boot, and uh, the firm slide in, put the beating on Gunn and the, the rest of the acclaimed. Uh, but who should make the save? But FTR, are they in pink as well? Yeah. Yeah. FTR, uh, they make the save, and there's a slight moment where they hold up those tag titles before handing them over to the acclaimed. I'm going to disappear up my own arse with this take, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to lose you, right? Probably. And I'm going to get my words mixed up. You know how I say there is a good and a bad version of literally everything, mm-hmm. okay? There is a good and a bad version of doing something bad just to get to something good. <laughs> and this was a good version of doing something bad just to get to something good. Okay. I hated so much... The Swerve Strickland kidnaps Billy yeah. Gunn and either cuts off or breaks his fingers. The idea that that was the setup <laughs> for the reveal of something that fans in a massive, massive collective want as merchandise was so good. Billy Gunn, if you had told me on Saturday morning, or Monday morning when I finally got around to do it. <laughs> My homework, that is rampage. That's a, that's a shoot. That is a shoot. Not this week. Not this week. No. More on that later. <laughs> if you had told me on Picture Monday morning. you on the bus, what, like when you were a kid at school, but instead I, of I, work I, now, it's rampage. Yeah, I did. Generally, I could not be arsed with it. My, my free time. I class like six in the morning is my yeah. work time when it isn't. But, you know, it's homework. You've got to do it. Whatever. Um, if you'd have told me on Monday morning when I finally got around to watching Rampage, <laughs> oh, Billy Gunn's going to scissor after all, after all that, I would say, piss off. Uh, how to make it even worse? Uh, oh, my God. That's really <laughs> stupid and creative and clever and, what's more, really over. And even if I didn't like it, and I do, I'm a kind of sucker for this, actually, then this was just really fun. And uh, the eight-man tag was going to be class. Builds to one day FTR versus the acclaimed. I just had so much fun with all of this. Yeah, same. Um, I keep thinking I'm, I've sort of had enough, and then they just keep running a segment like this where the crowd haven't, so you just get pulled back in all over again. The tag division is feeling like it's in really good health. There's a series of matches that I want to watch. There's obvious baby faces, obvious heels. Keith Lee is a nice X factor in all of this too. It's it's good stuff, and I the prospect of the visual of everybody in there claims scissor things while it's still as over as it can be. They're going to have absolutely made the most out of all of this, even if the rain ends at full gear. Mm. Uh, yeah, more on Keith Lee in a, in a while and his special <laughs> guest alongside Swerve. I've tried to verbatim write down what he said. I, th- I think I've got the, okay. the vague notes for that one. A <laughs> <laughs> little cheeky grin. <laughs> They're not going to believe what I've got. <laughs> Something cooking. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Tony Schiavone's backstage with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Uh, and Baker says, yeah, I'm not going to jump whenever Renee and, and Soraya say I have to. I'm doing it on my time with my own interviewer, Tony. <laughs> He's looking a little bit awkward, as he always does. Uh, and they, Hayter says, yeah, we're sick of these bloody conspiracies. All we want to do is wrestle. Um, and says, uh, yeah, they want a tag match against anyone you fancy on Rampage this week. <sighs> this was... The promo was good, but the prospect of the Rampage match is... Uh, hate to say she just wants to wrestle probably knowing full well what she'd been told that day was going to be her job at full gear was quite nice yeah. not deciding to reveal to Britt Baker like that came as a graphic at the end of the show like yeah. Britt, in Kayfabe Britt Baker only knows now you could have told me yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's going to come back to them isn't it uh, so down to the ring comes the Ring of Honor world champion Chris Jericho flanked by Daniel Garcia and Jake Hager uh, and he gets on the mic and says yeah I've challenged any former champion of any kind I'll even kick Lamar Jackson's ass um, which gets a reaction, although not quite the same reaction as Colt Cabana being back. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> Talk about it now, and I'll tell you about the match. Jesus Christ! Right on top of everything, right? This speaks to how insane and wildly subjectively received this Gonzo Dynamite was. Right? <laughs> how on earth? How on earth do you book? A week removed from Chris Jericho basically getting himself over at CM Punk's expense in the dirt sheets. As has been rumored. Yeah. Yes. As has been rumored, and I'm inferring. A decade removed from the toxic dissolution of the Phil Brooks Scott Colton friendship. A match on AEW Dynamite. Not even WWE, AEW, the one promotion that Punk was like, that is both. Nice and meritocratic, and let's face it, big enough for me to grace with my presence. How do you then book a match involving Chris Jericho and Cole Cabana? And there's a spot in it that Phil Brooks would have laughed at. Because <laughs> there was a disaster, yeah. and a really near dangerous disaster. That just speaks to all of this. It is so vindictive and petty. It is so dangerous. 
It was kind of really dramatic by the end, because even though the match wasn't particularly good, the fans really wanted Colcabana to win. So it was at least dramatic and hot and over if it wasn't particularly well worked for the vast majority, right? What they've done here is they've essentially outright said, yeah, he's blackballed, and that, this is why he's back. That's what they, they've put their cock on the line with this one. They picked a side. They've picked the side, and they've all but said, that's pretty much the reason. Like, that's what they've yeah. essentially communicated. That's my inference. That is my inference, right? But it's such... If you're going to be a vindictive, petty cock about things, and there was an element of this, yeah. if you want to drill deep into it, if you just analyze the behavior and take away any feelings you might have or might not have about all of the principles involved, directly or indirectly, this was a Vince McMahon move. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. Vindictive. Vindictive move, right. Um, but it was such a clever one because CM Punk is on record. I heard him say that he had F all to do with Colt Cabana's disappearance from AEW. He does not care if Scott, Cab Scott Colton, Colt mm. Cabana, has a job, where he has the job. He wants nothing to do with Scott Colton. All right, okay, well, what about this? It's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, this was unbelievable. This was potentially dangerous because you are poking the bear, and that bear does not enjoy being poked, shall we say. I pictured Paul Levesque's name flashing up on Phil Brooks' phone as this happened. You have to feel like that's next. If it wasn't already on the cards, it imagine, feels imagine like... if he wasn't watching... Hey, Phil, watching uh, watching the show tonight? <laughs> Turn your TV on. But if they ever, any of the principals involved in Brawl Out are allowed to talk about this, there's no NDAs or anything like that, and they're eventually, they've been encouraged not to talk, or told not to talk, and they've all either respectfully agreed or they are not allowed to talk. If they are allowed to talk or they're ever allowed to talk, if this gets brought up to CM Punk, he cannot turn around and say, what petty loser arseholes they were for doing this. I was infuriated when I watched this because he doesn't care. And he's <laughs> already established that he does not care. What a masterclass of being an absolute <laughs> This was. Like, I'm not saying that anyone involved is one, but this was certainly Yeah. behavior. A trick, you might say. Yeah, it's unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable stuff. And after a horrendous botch that, again, like, how could CM Punk have possibly have laughed at this? He would have if he had watched it. Um, was he and then... Chicago Skyline. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got so dramatic because people were massively into Cabana, which basically tells you that the, the Elite are going to return as utter heroes when they return. But because the will of the crowd was so strong to have Cabana win that a... Bocce Gentleman's Three became something else entirely, but it was also completely overshadowed by the mere fact that it itself existed. Yeah, I, I think the I put that in the article actually. The heat from the entrance carried throughout the match. The match it wasn't it wasn't it didn't matter, but every time Colt did that kind of cheesy looking out to the fans for support thing, he got enormous noise, and it did. It really helped the match. The ramifications of this, I'm just fascinated to watch. Mm. The match almost didn't exist because I was sort of staring into space, thinking about what could possibly come next. It, off the back of, you know, like, it's it's worth, if you haven't already, um, <coughs> we've all had a look at 
Uh, Dave Meltzer's take on this this morning, which yeah. I, would, I would recommend. I'm not going to like try and do ju- do it justice. Go and check it out yourself. But there's not just Dave Meltzer. There's other people involved. There was like there's obviously Sean Ross Sapp has always been across this. Like, is Nick Hausman going to spend today typing like keyboard cat, or is he going to say nothing at all for the reasons that Sidgwick has outlined? It's it's kind of got to be everything or nothing, hasn't it? Back to the camp for something akin to the dog story, uh, you know, the dog dentist story, or nothing at all because everything's fine. Actually, I don't even care if anything. I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Like, because we're not friends, I'm actually happy for him than I would be. Like, we're so broken up that, if anything, I'm really happy that she's going out with the most handsome man of all time. That's that. <laughs> that's, that's how I would have wanted it to go, because I'm, I'm so fine with it. So it's just, it's impossible to know how this is going to play out. It does feel risky and dangerous, but that was kind of what powered it to. Mm. That energy, especially because... It could have been CM Punk chance, couldn't yeah, there? Exactly, I, mean, I don't yeah. think there was going to be, but... It's, it's risky. Yeah, it's risky in that sense, too. Um, but it feels right now, because of what we know, or more importantly, what we don't know, I guess, about the legal ramifications. It feels so much more dangerous than just doing the elite vignettes, doesn't it, in terms of picking a side, in terms of making a choice. And my, it crossed my mind, too, that if if a conversation hadn't already started between WWE and CM Punk, like passive texts here and there, this CM Punk is a man hugely motivated by spite. He hates WWE enough to want a main event their biggest show somehow. Yeah. And he also hates AEW enough to want a main event WWE's biggest show somehow. You kind of, for all that Tony Khan, like there's been these discussions lately that well, he's going to give people, he's going to let like, pay them for the duration of the contract, but they kind of go to WWE. The, the landscape has changed now. It is, this is happening. People are jumping the other way. It's kind of offering Punk out to do it here if legally he's able to. It's going to be fascinating to see if anything comes of this. If you've, sorry, if you've not seen Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio this morning, it must be stressed that he did not say that CM Punk outright lied about his role in the disappearing of Colt Cabana. He did not say that. Paraphrasing here, but Dave Meltzer said, it's almost like a certain part of the story that had been denied by some was the truth all along. <laughs> Heavily implying that, yeah, Punk did have something to do with it. Directly. Mm-hmm. Directly. And uh, even if that supporting reporting. Uh, from Meltzer, I hadn't heard it. The complete and utter unmistakable implication of this segment of television was that Col Cabana, and it was written all over his face, has returned from being blackballed from this promotion. Uh, is there any other way to read it? Let's reiterate. I don't know for a fact, one way or the other. Mm. We have not been privy to the conversations. We have not been privy to what might not even be implications, but might in fact be... CM Punk, and I'm just speculating here, I don't know anything, maybe this all started because CM Punk was in a room, and apparently, Tony Khan is on record, actually, is saying that he gets input from Sanjay Dutt when he does creative, and QT Marshall formats these shows, and obviously Jericho and Mox, and Danielson are parts in their creative, and he name-dropped the Elite and CM Punk as people Mm. with whom he collaborates when formatting the show. Maybe this all started when, in a room, Col Cabana's men- name was mentioned, and CM Punk just kind of went out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the signals were read from Tony Khan, maybe, of, oh, this is going to be a problem, let's just vanish him. Maybe that's the extent of it. He's doing, like, the seating arrangement of a daytime of a wedding. Like, do we put them next to them? Mm. Like, they haven't asked not to go I don't know why I'm being them, so careful yeah. here. Dave Meltzer completely <laughs> yeah. outright said on Observer Radio that that was the crack. And this, if nothing else, I think... More than the three men sitting in this room right now inferred from that segment of television that this was Colt Cabana's return from being yeah. blackballed. And Colt Cabana's face 
yeah. suggested this. There was a lot in the... Well. Did you hear um, Excalibur call him uh, Marsha Colton's baby boy? Oh, really? That, yeah. Like, it's it was a presentation almost in the company about, like, well, <laughs> this is what we think. Yeah, Andy made a really good point in the news today. Like, we're obviously... We're not going to... We're professional wrestling journalists, as we always call ourselves. <laughs> um, we're just going to present you what we... As far as we know... And, and, you know it, it, just make it clear that we're not, because some people honestly yeah, do we're call not, us Yeah, that, obviously, yeah, you're not actually... Journalist. Just need to be said louder. Literally not my title or my qualification. So shut up about it. (laughs) You'll see what I do. Chris Jericho exemplified it a little bit later on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. don't forget the post match. Yeah. The uh, the the the, regardless of which side, if you want to pick a side in all this, wasn't it just nice to see how how happy Colt Cabana was just to be back wrestling in front of an audience. It's just nice sometimes. Things like that. Like if the story is true, yeah. I will have yeah. sympathy and um, will not begrudge him at all at the moment, but I don't think I'm the biggest Colt Cabana guy. Same. So, yeah, Cabana initially takes over. Um, Jericho bails to the floor to regroup, and uh, Cabana catches him, and this is the bit with the Chicago skyline, and they both just tumble to the floor to take us to a break. I don't know what that was. Anyway, we come back. It's going to be reported in the Observer on Friday that the botch was to throw people off and to get people back level for the, uh, hot, the yeah. hot, hot conclusion. So, uh, Gabana gets a near fall after the break off for a corner splash, goes for a moonsault, gets crotched. Uh, Jericho eye pokes him out of the flip flop and fly. Uh, Cabana avoids the Judas effect, puts in, him in the Billy Goat's curse, I think mm. it was called, the submission. Uh, Jericho kicks free. Cabana gets the best pinfall in all of wrestling, his Superman pin. I love that. I don't know why. It's just every time we go, oh, it's great. Especially <laughs> made even better this time by the fact that Jericho didn't kick out. Hager pulls his hands from underneath him. Um, so Cabana moonsaults to the floor to take out Hager and Garcia. Uh, goes, gets back in there, but they get suddenly hit with a code breaker by. Jericho for the one, two, three. Anything you want to say about the match? I think we've covered it. Yeah. So post match, of course, Jericho's just on on a on a tear. Did you see, by the way, before I talk about this, I think someone on Twitter pointed this out. I don't know if this is the case or not. Did you see Jake Hager get cramp. No. He walks up the ramp. I don't hope it's cramp, because that's what I saw someone say on Twitter. They're walking up the ramp, and before they get um uh, Ian Riccoboni. Hager's walking, he's on the right, and he just grabs the back of his leg and goes on all fours. Because I thought initially, oh, he's gone on all fours to be like, anyone comes out to try and stop this, I'm going to get him. And I'm a I was like, dog! <laughs> but then I was like, that's the heel tunnel, first of all. I'll, I'll show you afterwards. Oh, no. I think he's fine. Oh, good. Because he was b- back kicking ass in a yeah, minute. Was, yeah. But it's so funny. They're all like, oh, my bloody leg. Oh, I've got to stretch it out. Hang on one second. Anyway, so, yeah. Jericho Garcia, Hager, go up the ramp. Uh... Uh, Daddy Magic called Anna and they've got Ian Riccoboni and they, they've got him and they're holding him he's on his knees Jericho's gonna try him with a belt but before he does that takes the glasses off his face pops them on goes Ugh! huge pair but in the world I, I love household. it when Jericho does stuff like this I absolutely love it when Jericho the, does stuff like this the witch's hat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love that um, he did something similar at the arcade um, not arcade anarchy in the arena yeah. where it's like you can stop doing it for a second Jericho but it was all the more Tasty when he got his ass beat because he was trying to do this <laughs> in that match. And he was just like, no, Moxie was like not having any of it. He literally transmogrified into Ian Riccoboni in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I thought he looked like the human version of the worst emoji as well. You know, the Alistair Green one. 
Yeah, like the wacky face. It's like, there, there is that. It's, it is a person. I like the fact that on this show, you get Jeff Jarrett, you get Shabata, and I get Chris Jericho going, eh. <laughs> oh, we've all got something. So he breaks the glasses. He's going to, yeah, belt shot Rick Bonnie, uh, But in comes Claudio to stop him. Big ball breaks out because uh, JS and Blackpool Combat Club have to fight forever, apparently. That's when it died a little bit because they're having this brawl and they sent all the people out there and they've got Jericho selling from a distance. It's like... I think you said it weeks ago, Sid, you know, it's just stuck with me. It's like, there is not a thing you could do to make me care about these people fighting each other yeah. anymore. It's just, that's where we're at mm. with that. Like, Jericho versus Ring of Honor remains really fun. I like that. And the fact that they've got Garcia and Utah is a little bit of a part of that. I'll say this, Claudio may be the guy all over again to stop this Jericho reign of terror. They've sufficiently beaten, built him back up that it doesn't feel like he was a guy who was beaten for it all along. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about this? <sighs> Okay, well, good, because I've got the feeling you want to say something about what came next. B- before the match, we got Renee Paquette with Death Triangle. Uh, Ray Phoenix saying, I'm ready to become All-Atlantic champion. And Pac says, well, you know, and they go, oh, double champ, actually. And he says, well, if you, from someone who has been a double champ, let me tell you, if you want revenge, use this hammer in the match. <laughs> uh, it's a golden ticket, basically. And uh, Pac tells Phoenix to think about it and walk away, and the rest of Death Triangle kind of look, about, look at each other going, is that what we've become now? And then we got the triple threat match. It is Orange Cassidy versus Ray Phoenix versus Luchasaurus for the uh, All-Atlantic title. Uh, Ray Phoenix and Orange Cassidy wisely early on go, right, well, let's take this big bastard out and then we can settle it between the two of us. Um, They eventually batter him enough to send him to the outside uh, and get rid of him and then it's just the two of them. There's a Tornado DDT from Orange Cassidy um, who's who's doing his lackadaisical offense as he often does. Uh, Luchasaurus just rises back up and takes out both of them uh, as we go to picture in picture. Uh, When we come back, Cassidy goes for a stun dog millionaire, hits an orange punch, that sells, sends Luchasaurus to the floor. Orange Cassidy and Ray Phoenix are going to go at it again and then decide, nope, let's take him out. Double dive to the outside. Luchasaurus catches him, catches both of them, sorry, sends Cassidy into the ring steps, choke slams Phoenix through the table. Uh, Luchasaurus and Orange Cassidy go up the ramp. He's going to choke slam him off the stage when here comes Jungle Boy Jack Perry, nails him with a chair, and they're on the, the great great thing that... Hyrograde. Yes, thank you. That uh, the Jungle Boy got choke slammed onto by Luchasaurus and burnt all of his back uh, those many, many moons ago. And this time, Jungle Boy Jack Perry cross-bodied Luchasaurus off that through a table, taking him out of the match. It's down to Phoenix and Orange Cassidy. They're coming back down to the ring. They're coming back to get into the ring. Uh, Pax there, he shows up, he goes, Ray, use the hammer, mate. <laughs> Phoenix takes it and then hoys it away. No, I don't need that. Uh, gets back into the ring. There's a back and forth of near falls. And then Phoenix is going for a big move, but leaps straight into an orange punch. One, two, three, match. And then we have to talk post-match. Yeah, a champion getting pinned. Don't care if it advances the story. I just don't like it on principle. It's the sort of thing you should do once every six months of that. So it's maybe it's long past. No, it isn't. I'll never stop. I'll never stop burying things that deserve to be buried, even if I've been watching them on WWE television for 20 years. Okay? Not going to do it. Not my DNA. But people say I'm edgy, but, you know, I can't think that way. <laughs> <laughs> Illustrator from The Office. I don't know any other way. <laughs> Freedom Prize. <laughs> this match, I don't want to be unduly harsh to Luchasaurus, but as best as I can put it, this is why the heel turn... I hope gets retconned as soon as the Jungle Boy match blow-off happens because Luchasaurus used to be the guy who would get tagged in and elevate an already fun, ripping little trios match and elevate it into something like 
almost impossible feeling in how good it is because he's that size mm. and he's doing those moves and his sequences are that good. Now, as a heel in this context, he's become the guy who grinds the action to a halt because I was really loving the exchanges between Phoenix and Cassidy and the pace slowed considerably and it just wasn't in an interesting or compelling way, I don't think. And yeah, it was the Jungle Boy high spot was amazing. That stunt was great. The work between Cassidy and Phoenix was great. But then a lot of Luchasaurus's heat stuff basically reiterated to me that he's miscast. I thought this was shockingly entertaining. This I, I, Orange Cassidy's All Atlantic title run is basically baby facing positivity trolls because that whole thing about just sit back and don't overthink it and just enjoy it. That's kind of what Orange Cassidy is asking you to do with All Atlantic Champion, and it's working, and I am, as we'll get to next as well. Like this whole, oh yeah, I'll work three ways. Oh, I'll, I'll get a contract that says the Dream Opponent contract. Like the All a, Atlantic City Dream Match, I think it was. What a pun as well. Yeah, like preposterous in nature that he gets over, belt in a bag and all. And I, yeah, I just this went way better than I thought it would. I like the multiple angle advancement detail of it with the like the Ray Phoenix finish the fact that Death Triangle are just useless as a trio that's not ideal is like is yeah it's it, it would help if they useless had useless as trio champions yeah um, would be it would be ideal if they could start building them up for the elite rather than just the elite winning the belts back by being a bunch of losers but I think they're actually going to intentionally lean in the opposite direction it's like uh, huh, this, these trios can't have the belt if only there were three men that could fix this mess boo 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 well, just make them awesome and then have this class match instead but this is this is a di- this is obviously the direction so at least they're telling that story even if I don't think it's a particularly good one who did we pick as the as as Cassidy's was it Suz- Suzuki. Suzuki yeah, yeah Suzuki. okay right I thought so um, <laughs> so Pac immediately dives in starts beating up Orange Cassidy and gets the hammer and he's gonna kill Orange Cassidy I think when who should it save him <laughs> Tatsuyori Shibata. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's all you. We don't need Renee for that one. Oh my god. Tatsuyori Shibata returns to AEW, makes a save, best friends are there as well. Pack bales. Shibata gets in, you think, oh, that's nice. And then he points at the contract that um, Orange Cassidy's on and the belt. And hands, uh, Cassidy nods, hands him the contract, hands him the belt. He signed it. It's official for Rampage, Shabbat versus Cassidy. It didn't need anything more than a match graphic, but the way they laid out the scene I thought was spectacular. The idea of, no. Don't play with my heart, yeah. <laughs> In fact, stop playing with my cock, actually. Oh, my God. That's the match. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. A stunning contrast, an absolutely stunning contrast in character, and yet you can kind of believe in this really warped, weird way that there's a mutual respect there. LTST in the Forbidden Door. LTST yeah. from Forbidden Door. They should not respect one another, at least Shabbat certainly shouldn't respect Cassidy. <laughs> but he does. Legit, Dave Meltzer reported that Shabbat went, I want two matches in AEW, and these are the opponents, and one of them was Cassidy, and one of them was Ryan Danielson. <laughs> oh my, oh my, oh my God. Um... And fantasy booking spots out the ass. At the same time, I'm also tempering my expectations. Yes. And this, not that I should ever, and I keep trying not to do this, entertain the idiocy of bad faith idiots, right? 
this is why Orange Cassidy is great. Shibata is still limited in what he can do. Who do you work? ZSJ? ZSJ and then Renarita. And he can't take bumps to the head or strikes to the head. They trust Orange Cassidy, incredible professional wrestler who can do everything that the old school vanguards want wrestlers to do, except he does it in a way that they have to pretend is bad. He can tell stories without doing anything. He is so incredible at the space between moves, at making the moves matter, at building the importance of the moves, getting the crowd on side, selling. He's a genius as Orange Cassidy. I always maintain that. And they trust him to work the diluted Shibata experience that doesn't really feel diluted because the work is so strong. Like, Shibata working within a far, far more limited framework than anybody else on the card. He's probably still going to have one of the best matches because he's incredible, such a great grappler, such a great wrestler. And this match is going to be great. It's not going to be Shibata versus Orange Cassidy if Shibata never got injured. So temper your expectations somewhat, but they trust Orange Cassidy to do something incredibly intelligent and well-crafted with this man. And there's no rule against Shibata hitting anyone, (laughs) (laughs) apart from with his head. I want to watch, right... Do a demonstration right there. I want to see Cassidy oh, instead of the leg kicks, right? Just do this. Oh, headbutts. <laughs> Lazy headbutts in the direction of Katsuyori Shibata and then get uh, eating a forearm to his teeth. <laughs> it's fantastic. This it's about time, by the way, that there was a match on Rampage worthy of some fantasy booking and some fantasy spots. Tony I'm going to repeat all of this verbatim tomorrow. Yeah. And more, and more. Yeah. Tony Khan putting them live or putting them not in that awful post-Dynamite He's tape slot. That, I think that was only half the job. It's like, well, you've got to put on cards that people want to watch as well. It's not fixing it. This is an example of trying to fix it, and I really admire that. I love that. Eunice music on TV, S and TNT. Oh, my God. Oh, the yes. best theme. I'll listen to it after this podcast, actually. The amount of terrible T-shirts that AW make, and then he comes out with a restaurant, a plain white one, that's going to sell out the air. Yeah. Like, the, um, years ago, I still remember it in the office, because I think it was on one of our screens live, the big um, the big angle where Shibata was getting booted in the head in tw- mid-2019 with his old fantasy booking that in 2020 he was going to actually come back at rescue. He didn't get booted in the head. He didn't get booted in the head, no, but like we're all watching this thinking, well... But it was so good yeah. that it had the danger of him getting kicked in the head, and that's why I've got high expectations for this match. And I just love that we're sort of fantasy booking his comeback, because oh, well, he must be fine if he does that. Flash forward to all these years later, and he's going against a guy that is going to like limply graze his shin <laughs> with the side <laughs> of his boot or something, and this and this is the match that you want to see. So it's inspired pairing. On a night, again, like the Gonzo-Tony Khan thing that you mentioned, this is right out of that. Because what came with that Gonzo idea and that style was a bunch of combinations and pairs that we used to celebrate every single week. So this is just another example of that. I love the fact this was... Anything else you want to say? Uh, I did, but it's gone. We'll talk more about it on Rampage Preview tomorrow. Um, uh, Andy and I were talking about this in the office this morning. So it's like, okay, so we're going to bring out Shabata to challenge (laughs) Orange Cassidy. Right, okay. Um, What's next on um, on the docket? Uh, Rick Ross backstage with Swerve, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Schiavone's there. Swerve Strickland and infamous rapper Rick Ross, the biggest boss 
of course, as uh, Tony introduced him as once he was reminded. Uh, he's there. Why is he there? Because he's he's there because Swerve and Swerve and Our Glory are the biggest thing in the industry, and he's going to be the Swerve's going to be the biggest thing in the the rap Um And then um, in walks in walks Keith Lee, and you know what he says? What he say? He says, "Good day, Richard Rossiter, the colossal controller, as he is known." Shut up. <laughs> what? What is happening right now? It is truly. <laughs> <laughs> It is truly a blessing to have laid mine eyes upon your fine frame, good sir. Nevertheless, I have business to attend to. Monsieur Strickland, you have failed to respond to my missives, and I am vexed. Sincerely, scripts. Rick Ross, I'll, I'll do it properly now. Rick Ross tells him to keep it positive, and uh, Keith Lee talks about them being number one contenders. But he's watched the show back. Yeah, so should the bloodline. Oh, oh, he went there. Sorry, I'm not being oozy. I do like it. It's just flawed. <laughs> <laughs> flawed, actually. So he says, "I've watched Take Back, and I watched you cheat against Billy Gunn." And Rick Ross steals the scene because he goes, accusations, <laughs> false accusations. And he says, oh, yeah, and who was holding this camera when you assaulted Billy Gunn? Uh, and Swerve says, oh, never mind about all that. He says, look, to show how much of an admirable person I am, I love you, all right, how about next week an eight-man tag with us, Billy, uh, sorry, us and Gun Club against FTR and the Acclaimed and Rick Ross, and this is the this is the nicest thing I can say, does his best Luke Gallows impression, okay? Doc Gallows impression, I should say. Because whilst he's saying, oh, how about next week, you know, that we all, eight-man, uh, he's going, brotherhood! And he goes, eight-man tag! <laughs> and uh, Rick Ross has got champagne for them to toast. Uh, even some for you, Tony. And uh, you just hear Tony go, oh, you're the man, big boss. <laughs> uh, and they toast. Keith Lee wrote reluctantly, but they toast anyway. I love this. I was told, right, when I uh, tweeted on Saturday, yep, Bloodline thing's amazing. The delivery reaction to in the crowd and the selling of Roman Reigns to I don't give a damn what the tribal chief says. Oh my God, worthy of. Oh, my God. And I said, because I'm that kid in the meme with a vein, <laughs> Even though they could just go back and watch the telly and half of these misunderstandings would be clarified. Roman couldn't because there's no telly on the island of relevancy when you run around with your cock out. Yeah. This is true, this is true. But I just said, uh, all of these misunderstandings would be clarified and wouldn't have to happen. But, you know, by WWE standards, it's great. For me, that's a big compliment. <laughs> and someone's like, stupid dickhead. <laughs> stupid uh, freakazoid, AEW sexual. No one, no one watches TV in wrestling. It's just the way it works. Does it, dickhead? Because Keith Lee done it. Hangman Page did it. Loads of people in AEW did it. Chris Jericho and MGF did it. There's two ways to do it. One's sophisticated and one's unsophisticated. So one of you suck on my gut. <laughs> Don't you suck my gut. <laughs> great segment, this, though. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh... Right, let's go to the uh, other side of the scale. It's time for the TBS Championship match. Jade Cargill versus oh Marina Shafir. Um, Bow Wow, remember him? Shot his sh shot with Jade Cargill and got ethered, basically, on Twitter. <laughs> that was the show before this. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Jade Cargill's back. 
And then I, I, I like a lot of people in this match, you know. Poor, like, we love Nyla Rose here. We think she's great patter, but even she can get this over. So the match starts, and immediately you get, excuse me, from Vicky Guerrero. And then Nyla Rose is there with her stolen t- TBS title. And inexplicably, you think it's a good idea to have her basically do running commentary during the match to throw off Jade Cargill, which doesn't work. She dominates anyway. Uh, yeah, Marina Shafir gets some offense in because she's, you know, Jay Cargill's slightly distracted, but then immediately Jay Cargill takes over when they go on the floor. Uh, Cargill almost gets counted out to lose her undefeated streak. Nyla Rose is like, oh, you better keep an eye on that because she's so obsessed with, with Nyla Rose. Cargill runs down. Shafir goes for a knee bar, but Cargill gets out of it. Pump kick. Hits jaded. One, two, three. The undefeated streak continues. She defends the title she's not even got right now. And then they completely miss... Kiera Hogan trying to snatch the belt off Nyla Rose because they, they don't know which shot to cut to. She gets laid out. Uh, Nyla Rose takes off with the title, and Jay Cargill walks up to her and I was like, what the bloody hell was that, basically? And I thought, yeah, I just thought about the entire segment. This was pathetically flimsy material with flimsy material in it. So the idea was bad, and then they armed Nyla Rose with very little, or she improvised very little herself. She started eating crisps at one point. And I think that was playing off the idea that people hate the sound of people eating down microphones. So that I think that was just to get your vote for this. Well, she had it already. But the the fact that like she almost knew or they'd planned that it would be so rubbish that people wouldn't be acting to it, or it wouldn't be generating heat. What do people hate? They hate the sound of eating down a microphone. So do that as well then. Go for cheap eat when this other version of cheap eat doesn't work. And it makes you ask questions. It was really badly shot, the Kira Hogan thing. Mm-hmm. But it makes you ask questions of, so did Jade Cargill know that Nyla Rose was going to be out there and thus set her up to cut her off at the pass. Like, so that then makes you ask questions that you shouldn't really be asking about the presentation. It's because normally Kira Hogan would just come out with it, wouldn't she? Why, of all the weeks, was she asked to be backstage? Just in case. So that felt fake as well. The match was crap. And Jade Cargill, like, this was barely an inconvenience to her. I know there was that count-out tease, but nobody bought that. Mm. This, so, the, so the heel, it hasn't, the plan hasn't worked. Everybody looked like a loser in this. Cargill included. I don't know how you even do that. We know her. That's the thing as well. <laughs> I can only hope that AEW doesn't take this as proof that our people don't really want to see Nyla Rose be on television or as a potential baby face or whatever. So far, the poster that is Nyla Rose on Twitter has not successfully become a TV character. But there's surely more they can do with her even if this is sort of failing quite badly so far. There's a way to get Nyla mm, Rose's yeah. online, extremely online persona onto TV. They haven't done it yet. I hope they are not discouraged because she's obviously great and got a following. Yes. This is utter drivel. And I just, you know, Dave Meltzer's take when he was watching Mox versus Ishii from the 2019 G1 Climax. And he said this was so special and so awesome that, and I love how specific this was. I knew it was a four-star-plus match in 17 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was a minus-two-star match in about two seconds. As soon as I heard that music, I knew what this was going to be utter drivel. And it was. 
Yeah, well, thankfully it was turned around next. Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't. Uh, because they had a load of bollocks uh, with the House of Black. Julia Hart's <laughs> tying up the Malachi Black and Brody King, and they're, they're being burnt and set on fire, uh, sent to sea and buried, and then all must end, so all must suffer, and you, a father of the black light, giver of the sight that takes, giver of the sight that creates, forgive me not, father, forgive me now, mother. What a load of bollocks. It's bollocks. Just wrestle. I don't... I love them when they wrestle. It's I hate bollocks. everything else. It's bollocks. This was a metaphor for the idea... <laughs> what? This is a metaphor for the idea that they are coming back on telly. They are not physically coming back from the dead. No. <laughs> so let's not go nuts about, hey, you don't like supernatural wrestling. It isn't. It's just a metaphor. Really elaborate way of saying it if you're in the House of Black. So if you look at it too closely, it's a bit silly. But at least it's not magic. Right. I don't mind the black metal aesthetics of all of this. And I know I'm on this island all by myself at What Culture Offices. Even Murray, who loves black metal imagery, kind of, I don't think this is, this is his and thing. I don't want to speak for him. <laughs> I don't want to speak for him. Um, mm. But it's when you do stuff like this in the live arena that I hate mm. with the prop gravestone, <laughs> Dracula outfit. Reserve all of this for pre-tape and then just wrestle in the ring. Yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah, this wasn't House of Black. This was House of Black. I think, right, because a lot of people will love this and there's going to be a bunch of people wanting us to praise it because they, this is the wrestling they're into. Subjectively, your mileage is always going to vary in this. I'm never going to like any of this stuff. But I think there's an objective case that they should bin this off. Is it not like a salient point that they tried all this and it failed? Massively. Mm. They didn't win big matches. They lost more than they won as a trio. Uh, they brought it up against Sting, like the original Dark Gay, and they lost. Could you not then use that as, you know what, we probably need to go back to basics here and not uh, do a metaphor for a big Viking funeral and burn and drown our corpses while Julia Hart oversees it with flaming torches? I don't, like Genuinely, from an in-character point of view, would it not behoove Brody King and Buddy Matthews to say, how are you, Malachi? Like, we're really good at decking people. If you've seen your own black mass, you can kick people's heads off. Just yeah. do that instead. So I would say steering away from this would have been logical in a character. These are what Death Triangle can no longer be, which is a legitimate threat to trios titles that will eventually be held by the elite. Don't do the stuff that made you to begin with. Sorry. Uh, oh, and then we get, before the main event, uh, the brilliant announcement that we are getting uh, Jamie Ayer, Versus Tony Storm for the AW, always forget it's the interim, AW interim women's title. This complete with the story of them living together during lockdown. I'm really glad we got this, and I hope they elaborate on it further. This is obviously going to be a more extended cut of this material on the road to All Out or the countdown to All Out, which I think they do on the Friday after Rampage before the pay-per-views. This is obviously an excerpt from that. I hope we get one more on... on then again, it's on TV, so you've got no excuse on TV. It's on YouTube. It's free and I can watch it. Right, okay. <laughs> That's an idiotic thing to say, actually. But I understand. It's not canon yeah. when something happens on a YouTube show. Okay, okay, okay. This is canon and it's on TV. And I like the excerpt here because I didn't know this. Fascinated, too, by the B-roll of, uh, like, an English terrorist street. Mm. Why have they been uh, filming England, maybe? Why was Tony Khan at Craven Cottage at the weekend? Yeah. I've been putting that in the locker just in case. Why flying a drone over UK Street for this angle? It's a woman's program. He's not done it for that. <laughs> Main event time. It's what will the show be called at Craven Cottage? 
Bashing the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> the Forbidden Cottage's door. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll come up with a funny name for it, I reckon. Or yeah. Fighter Fest. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. It's going to be fight. They love fight. They love fight. They want to do fight fest here in 2020. Can you even watch fight fest on Netflix anymore? They don't care because you can watch fight fest on TBS and do <laughs> It's going to be a great show for us. <laughs> I think the food is those like cheese slices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember fight? Fe- no, well, the food's crap. Hey, you know, they've got a history now with rappers. Yeah, and you get jar rule. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good That would be a nice bit, wouldn't it? Wilborn! He's on fire this week! Craven Cottage is perfect, isn't it, as well? Because despite there being a culture war, they've got a neutral section. Because Fulham can I get enough fans? <laughs> <laughs> so you can have like AEW, WWE hardcores. And it's like, oh, watch both, actually. You can watch any wrestling you want, actually. People in the middle that nobody likes. You can <laughs> well saved there. Good stopping yourself. Right, TV t- uh, Ring of Honor TV title on the line in the main event with the big lads. Uh, Samojo, Brian Cage going at it. Um, <laughs> going to start battering each other from the get-go. Um, Cage uh, takes over after Joe mows him down, uh, but he's playing to the crowd too much. Prince Nana's not going to be happy. Uh, Joe takes over with an insecurity in the corner, uh, but Nana runs distraction. That allows Cage to take over and hit a standing German suplex to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, Cage, Cage somersault dives over the top. You shouldn't be able to do that at your size, mate. Perf nails it, to be fair. Basically lands on his feet via landing on Joe. Uh, somersault dive over the top. Joe fights back, snap power slam, uh, gets him a near fall. Cage spins out of a powerbomb, sends Joe into the ropes and hits a tiger faint kick. Uh, goes up top, hits a twisting elbow for a nice two count. Uh, Pump handle drivers Joe very nearly right on his head. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but Joe mainly takes the impact with more of his face than his entire head. Uh, Cage hits an angle slam and a discus lariat for another great two count. Uh, Joe goes for the uh, choke. Cage tries to counter out into another slam, and Joe just twi- switches up, gets him down, and gets the submission from the rear naked choke. Post-match, in come the gates of agony. Uh, <laughs> beat up Joe, Joe's partner in war. Joe Wardlow makes the save, chases them off, and he looks like he's going to stand tall and help his mate up, back up when in comes powerhouse Hobbs. Oh, my God. And uh, just nails Wardlow with that huge spine buster of his, and he poses with the TNT title to close the show. I had some fun with this match that really could have done with, I don't know, two minutes edited off. They were a little bit laboured, as one would expect, because Cage was sweating and breathing heavily, as was Joe. It's just what they do. And I got just enough of the, oh, my God, how did he do that action? Um, There wasn't much drama to it, but it was big, dumb fun, and I had a good time with it. Yeah, it was... The pump handle screwdriver was ridiculous. Like it felt like a TV title match in stakes, but not a TV main event. It didn't. It never really felt like it had the drama to carry its placement on the card. Mm-hmm. If anything, maybe somewhere else it would have slotted in nicer with again, like two or three minutes less. The, oh, I was so bored by the stuff at the end, just knowing the beats that you've seen over and over and over again. But I was encouraged, so I end it on a high that the fans were absolutely there for Powerhouse Hobbs holding the TNT title over Wardlow. And like all the scruffy ring of honor losers are out of the way. There is such a <laughs> there is such a clear difference yeah. of who the fans want to get behind and who they can't really be arsed with that feel like they're filling space until an imaginary TV product actually becomes real. Mm. And that was yeah. made clear to me in this beatdown at the end. Uh, I just realized in mm. all of our excitement on this show, we forgot to do one of the bits of admin. It's time to- 
And that game, it was, it was a while back now in this review, <laughs> but I realise people might get upset if we don't do it. That get, well, what is the name of that game? Well, the name That's of the game thing. is, well, this is Lady's <laughs> Nair. And I'm thinking, oh, oh dear. <laughs> the, uh, the purpose of which is to gently satirise, but persistently until it gets better. And <laughs> this week did not get any better. AEW's insistence on misrepresenting the women's division, allocating it a quite pitiful amount of TV time. So what we like to do is guess to the hour, minute, and second the first note of the first women wrestlers entrance theme for the only women's match with the idea that we really want to nail the minute, hour, and second so that it really becomes apparent how formulaic and suboptimal mm. not on all of this <laughs> is. Uh, at the Ho 11... Jose Palomares has been running the um, uh, running the numbers, the, the, the data <laughs> for all this in the in the wake of uh, Adam Wilton's Adam Blair's absence. Uh, so thank you to Jose for this. Um, do you want to run through the times that we, uh, yeah, we picked that on yesterday's preview because there, there was a varied selection on our times that we guessed yeah, on yesterday's. Showed my ass here. Yeah, you don't know, dynamite preview. Um, yeah, thanks once again to Jose Palomares. So we'll go from earliest to latest mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah. Hamlet, uh, one hour, four, eight, ten. No, no, no. No hours. No hours. hours. Yeah, I wish, I wish it was one hour, four. Will, Adam Will born, one hour, twenty, forty two. <sighs> four, twenty, brew. <laughs> Sidgwick, one, twenty eight, fifty nine. Mm. Tell him what time it was. Well, uh, Jose says, unfortunately, Say today, something stupid, Adam. <laughs> Jose says, unfortunately today my cable provider did not DVR this week's episode, fellas. Uh, Also was a bit... Do us a favor. Also was a bit thrown off with Marina Shafir's new theme, so couldn't grab the screen grab at the time. But looking at my watch while watching it live, I did see it was one hour, 35 minutes, and 24 seconds. Although, because he hasn't got a screen grab, it's probably just be null and void, shouldn't it, Hamlet? I think so. Yeah. I'm joking. Of course. <laughs> ah! uh, so that means Michael Sidgwick is spot on. <laughs> suck it on his chair as well, which means with his trademark lean. <laughs> Sidgwick moves on to six correct guesses. Uh, Michael Hamlet has three, yeah. and I have twice as good, baby. <laughs> and I have three. So thanks once again to uh, Jose Palomar. Every day, I don't know how to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it going up so many? It's one. Why is it, is it not just... Is it 13? Guess what, though? Does it at night as well? <laughs> what? <laughs> so one o'clock in the morning, I was like, I, gotta be, oh, I can't get better sleep. And I, need, I need an old man piss as well. <laughs> Victory to defeat from like a winner in laser's night. Okay, I can't control my own watch. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit inside baseball, right? I'm going to give you, because sometimes I can't get back to sleep. Uh-huh. As a wrestling content producer, I cannot... Sacrifice my credibility and tell you which wrestlers match I watched to go back to sleep. Oh, I that. But I will tell you, I will tell you after we stop recording, and I realize I've just dangled a carrot in front of the listeners there. Maybe one day, mm. if you make it worth my goddamn while. First name triple, nah, it's too <laughs> obvious. Mr. H. <laughs> as boring as it is, I would never, when I don't have to watch yeah. anything, <laughs> unless Shawn Michaels has stood next to him in 1997, that I watch anything he does in my personal time. Uh, so thanks once again to <laughs> at the whole eleven Jose Palomares for uh, running the numbers on that this week, and that has been our dynamite review. Whoa, what a show this was! Let us know your thoughts on it on our Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. 
write an entire book about this bloody episode, mate. But if you wanted to read a book about AW before you write that book, what would you look If you for? wanted to do that, right, if you wanted to read 120,000 passionate and insightful words all about the, uh, the formation and indeed rise of All Elite Wrestling, you can read my book entitled Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, <laughs> which is available on Amazon wherever you live. You follow me on Twitter at Smooth now that. Follow us all Slick. at What Culture WWE. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Daily Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.